Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah. He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tons of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Well, Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Bear Blends. Bear Blends are dedicated to producing the healthiest protein powders and unique nutritional powders. They use only natural and organic whole foods and all of their products are non-GMO and free of artificial flavors, colors, and sweeteners. My personal new favorite is their vanilla and coconut plant protein. Visit bearblends.com.au to learn more and check out their gorgeous recipe info over on Instagram at bearblends. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast, and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, we explore LCHF for anxiety and depression. You will learn about anxiety, the impact of chronic stress, and how to remove the burden on your nervous system. We explore depression, gluten, methylation, 
the impact of the gut and the essential tests you need to add to your repertoire. This is a really important conversation on a serious topic and please always make sure you seek professional guidance before making any changes to your current treatment regime. So Steph, I wanted to talk to you about a particular topic today because we recently put the call out to our listeners for some feedback on what they want to hear us talking about on The Real Food Reel. So thank you to everybody who gave their feedback. Um, But one of the overwhelming responses we got was the request for a discussion around diet, mood, anxiety and depression. It's a hugely important topic. Um, You know, I think anecdotally we all know of somebody who's been affected by mental health conditions, but in Australia, I mean, would you believe there's 2 million people that have been diagnosed with anxiety and another 1 million people that have been diagnosed with depression? So it's huge. You know, one in two people that we meet will have had the conditions. So I just think about that from a, a pharmaceutical perspective, like how many people are walking around on medications because of mental health conditions that they potentially could be avoiding. So that's why this is a really, really important topic for us to discuss today. And, um, you know, if we can get some people thinking about opportunities beyond pharmaceuticals, then that would be a wonderful outcome from today's discussion. Yeah, I completely agree. It is a fascinating area of health and wellness, quite a sensitive topic. So I do just want to say before we um, get any further in today's shows, obviously mental health is a serious topic and we definitely appreciate the pharmaceutical route. Um, Today's show is to present you with other options and to make sure that you are aware of the impact that diet has on mental health conditions. But please always make sure that you seek um, advice of your current professional or that you do gain help with that professional support. Um, In no way, shape or form are we suggesting that you make any changes to your current medication schedule. So I want to be really clear that this conversation is more about presenting information, um, but it's really important that you do get professional help. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's about setting the right foundations, isn't it? Like getting the foundation set so that um, even if they're not at the point when they're on medication, but so they're resilient enough to be able to withstand things like low mood or periods of high anxiety. Yeah, resilience is a big one. But what I see in the clinic, and I think you're probably the same, is you know this information is no longer hidden. It's definitely a conversation that's been happening more and more in the last couple of years, which is amazing. And I might, I'm actually getting people coming to see me that might be on antidepressants or taking some anti-anxiety drugs, and they're in the position where right now they know that they need that for whatever reason but they want to set up the foundations to be in the position to consider coming off the pharmaceutical intervention at some point in time. And I love those conversations because I would never tell anyone they need to stop their medication. But I think, you know, with what we go through today with the impact that diet has on gut health and inflammation and, you know, your your overall mental health, um, it's beautiful to have this conversation with someone that has that sort of more medium to long-term goal, but you've got to get the foundations right first. It's like building a house, right? You don't start with the roof. Mm -hmm. 
So like when it comes to anxiety, like I said before, there's over 2 million Australians that have been diagnosed with having anxiety. So that's huge. Um, and I wonder whether many people are actually thinking about um, what's going on physiologically when it comes to anxiety. Um, you know, we don't need to classify exactly what anxiety or depression is because I think there's experts in the field and, um, you know, documentation online of exactly what they are so we won't go into that today but when it comes to anxiety you know I think of what's going on internally when we're in that anxious state um, you know it's essentially a, a period of um, sustained or chronic stress right so our body is in a stress state and I always think about this fight or flight state that we're in when we're stressed so of course, we have to think about the role that diet plays because when we're in this fight or flight mode, um, then inflammation is going to be rife, hormones are going to be running wild, um, and diet plays a huge role there. Yeah, absolutely. And anxiety is an interesting topic in itself because I think we've probably all experienced moments or periods of anxiety which is quite different to you know an actual diagnosis which would use like the diagnostic criteria that we see in um, the dsm-5 so it's really important that you know what we're talking about today may or may not come back to a diagnosis but we're trying to support you with natural strategies um I love that you speak about that chronic stress or that fight, flight or freak response that we see in 2018 where we're all so sympathetic dominant mm. that, you know, basically it is that, that build-up and that straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. Um, stress is obviously huge and there's lots of stresses that we're faced with in this day and age. There are obviously external stresses like living in a capital city, um, maybe there's, you know, home life stresses or it's financial or it's a commute, it's your job, it's, you know, all of the above. Yeah, being an adult. yeah. and then there are, of course, internal stresses that come back to things like inflammation, injuries, um, you know, being quite acidic for reasons including the external stresses. So it's all very intertwined. Um, and I think what's really interesting is... I don't actually have a problem with stress in of itself. I think stress is really helpful, but the absence of relaxation is what the problem is. It's that chronic stress, isn't it? That chronic stress where you've got no way to balance out the yin and the yang. So, you know, we need degrees of stress, but it's where it's not balanced with any relaxation or, you know, mindfulness or meditation or yoga or whatever it might be to create that balance. So you're not actually getting those hugely negative impacts at the physiology level. Yeah. I mean, we think about anxiety, sorry, not anxiety, we think about stress um, and the role that that fight or flight response has played from an evolutionary perspective. You know, mm. when we were back um, living hunter-gatherer lifestyles, it was beneficial to have that fight or flight response. So we could run away from the saber-toothed tiger that was on our back or fight that tribe member who was um, hustling us for food. Yeah, I think what you're trying to say is that we have too many of those stresses and not enough of the relaxation to balance it out. It's really important that we have stress to respond to stresses and it's not the tiger anymore, but it might be our boss or the person in traffic. 
but you know, I think we've got to acknowledge that it is always about a, a balance. Um, with anxiety, there's a lot of that burden on the nervous system, and obviously, if we're then adding to that inflammatory foods, um, poor gut health, and n- poor lifestyle strategies like burning the candle at both ends then, you know, of course you're going to feel worse and not be able to deal with the situations when the stressful situations do arise. Mm -hmm. So do you want to start with the benefits of LCHF from an inflammatory perspective um, and potentially how the diet helps to remove those those pro-inflammatory foods and, you know, what the diet consists of that helps to have the opposite impact on inflammation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so the big one is obvious that the acronym LCHF stands for lower carbohydrate, higher fat. Um, but when it's prescribed properly, it should be pretty free from refined carbohydrates and sugars. And these are one of the most inflammatory food groups. I say that with air uh, quotes because I don't really call them food, but they're food-like products. Um, so you know, that's one part of the equation when we look at the refined foods that have definitely been around for the last five decades. They cause a lot of inflammation and then I'd put them, you know, very closely next to the poor quality fats. Obviously the high omega-6s that we see through the canola oil days, um, and then there's trans fats obviously that we find in a lot of the junk food, fried foods and baked goods um a little bit controversial but gluten is also a very big um inflammatory trigger i probably i'm going to say that one for a little bit later in the conversation but the the point is really you know lchf by definition should be jerf it's certainly not always which is why we're talking about a well prescribed lchf template which naturally is anti-inflammatory in nature and that's really important especially when it comes to the gut Mm -hmm. yeah for sure we know that that inflammation in the gut is going to certainly travel up to the brain via the gut brain axis so key that we manage that inflammation happening at the center of it all really a hundred percent absolutely i mean the vagus nerve is that communication channel and I think for a long time in science we looked at the body as separate organ systems we didn't look at the body as a whole which we now see was you know quite a mistake but obviously the 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 gut is the second brain and they communicate I don't even think we know how many trillion times a day we've got to acknowledge the impact of the food that we eat and the stress that we have in our life and the lifestyle strategies um, and the impact that has on the brain i mean the big the big term that everyone has probably heard of is leaky gut like i love your analogy do you want to share the fly screen analogy when it comes to leaky gut yeah we can dive into that um i do think of our gut lining as being like a fly screen right so usually our gut lining would have these beautiful fine particles or pores in i should say that allow food particles to pass through so proteins have been broken down into their amino acids um but just like a fly screen, if those what are usually fine pores start to expand, they get disrupted, they become larger, then suddenly non-broken non down bits of protein can pass through and pathogens can pass through. Just like in a fly screen, you start to get mosquitoes passing through the fly screen if the holes get large. So 
that is then going to cause an inflammatory response, right? We've got pathogens, we've got proteins passing from our gut into our bloodstream and suddenly the body has to put up its defences and that really is the start of inflammation and, and how it begins in the gut. Yeah, and the food triggers are huge there, like absolutely um, the foods that we mentioned like the refined carbohydrates, the polyunsaturated omega-6s, the trans fats and the glutens they're going to be what's causing the holes in the fly screen. But then there's also factors like previous pharmaceutical exposure, like the oral contraceptive pill, Mm. drugs you've been prescribed for an unrelated health condition, other chemicals that you're exposed to, whether it's in like your beauty products or what's on your food, uh, toxins in the air, stress is a huge sugar for leaky gut. Mm. So, Really, we're, we're fighting a pretty big battle with our, our world. It's definitely not just food. But when we talk about LCHF, we actually don't just talk about food, right? There's always a conversation around looking at your lifestyle to make sure you're controlling all avenues of stress. And that obviously includes foods that you're intolerant to, but we have to have a conversation about the amount of caffeine that you're consuming. Mm, (laughs) We all know caffeine is a bell curve, right? It helps you up to a point. And then if it's going to um, tip you over the edge, we'll see high cortisol levels, which is then the stimulus for your um, liver to dump glucose into your bloodstream, which is sugar, which is inflammatory, right? So we're back to square one, even if we are like keto, right? If we're having too much caffeine, we can still be causing that inflammation and associated leaky gut. I'm sure people are thinking about this out there. What about alcohol? Mm, I mean, this is a really interesting conversation. I think you have the same experience with your clients, Ellie. Um, We can't beat around the bush. Like it's a toxin, right? So I I get it that there are a lot of people that enjoy it and it's a part of our our world, um, you know, at least in the developed world, but it is a toxin, so that puts a toxic burden on our body. It creates oxidative stress, which is inflammation, and that's a big problem when it comes to to gut health. Um, The other side to it is like we know that what we're trying to achieve with LCHF is a fat-burning metabolism, and that's, you know, for many reasons that we've discussed, but if you're burning fat, then you're not burning sugar. But alcohol is going to be your preference over fat. Mm. So if you drink alcohol, your body has no need to burn fat. So you're going to burn that alcohol for fuel and you'll therefore stop your fat burning, which is your anti-inflammatory metabolism. Mm. I think if people ask themselves a question, they can pretty easily and quickly figure out whether alcohol is right for them in helping to reduce inflammation anyway, right? So if you're listening to this, um, be honest with yourself. How do you feel the day after drinking alcohol? Um, And if you're not bouncing out of bed, well, there's a pretty clear answer that um, it isn't conducive to, to helping to reduce inflammation. Yeah, look, I mean, we've all got different levels of how we respond to toxins and a lot of that does come back to things like your current methylation profile, like your liver health, um, genetics definitely. But, I mean, ultimately if we're talking about um, a mental health condition like anxiety, I think the research is pretty clear that one of the big things you've got to do is at least in the short term, remove alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's going to be quite a hindrance. And it will definitely lead you spinning your wheels, especially if you've 
committed to diving into LCHF but are in denial about these other areas sitting on the side, um, what, I, what I would hate for that to do is then make you think that LCHF isn't enough to treat your mental health conditions when perhaps the honest truth is that you just didn't tick quite enough boxes when you started that nutritional intervention. Yeah, yeah. That actually leads me on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about is because um, people might be out there, um, you know, having already trialled LCHF or being um, following an LCHF LCHF protocol for a period of time and still not getting the results that they're after. So there are definitely other things that we can look to from a gut health perspective that may still be impacting on anxiety and mood. And, mood. Mm. Um, and that is getting down to the nitty-gritty of what is actually living in your gut um, because we know that our gut bacteria and their metabolites will have an impact on um, our mood and anxiety levels. So I know I certainly will carry out this testing with my clients, Steph, but mm. what sort of testing would you do with your clients when LCHF perhaps isn't enough and we need to take that next step? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something we've spoken about on the show only a little bit to date, but definitely a really relevant um, subtopic for today because for a lot of people, JERF isn't enough. And I wish it wasn't that way and, you know, it doesn't mean that GERF doesn't work for us. It just means that we need to get a little bit more information. So it's the old mantra, test, don't guess. So we use bioscreen stool testing to really get an internal snapshot of that ecosystem. So we're looking at the aerobic bacteria and the balance if there are pathogenic overgrowths. Um, a really common example that I'm unfortunately unfortunately seeing far too much in clinic are these huge numbers of the bacteria streptococcus so it's a commensal bacteria so by definition it needs to exist inside our microbiome but it's goldilocks right it's not too little and it's not too much so instead we're seeing um huge amounts so you know what is, as i said what is a pathogenic overgrowth and um the symptoms are quite significantly neurological like yes there are common digestive symptoms that are probably more easy to pick up on mm -hmm. because most people connect digestive symptoms back to their gut health but not a lot of people connect their mental health conditions yeah. back to their gut health so, so streptococcus is a big one um and we, we see that with mental health challenges like anxiety and depression but you know even before diagnosis it can definitely cause things like brain fog and challenges with memory, it's multifactorial. Like we've got an overgrowth, so naturally what that's done is 99% of the time it's crowded out the good bacteria. So not only are we dealing with the stress of an overgrowth, we've caused this essential, essentially a die-off of the beneficial bacteria and we know that the beneficial bacteria produce upwards of, you know, 80 to 90% of serotonin. And we've all heard of serotonin. It's our happy hormone. It's the neurotransmitter, one of the neurotransmitters that help with our mood. So clearly, if we've got pathogenic overgrowths and undergrowth of beneficial bacteria, we're not producing enough serotonin and here we are with a mental health condition that comes back to the gut. Mm -hmm. Would you say that parasites need to be included in that in that testing process and so not just looking at um, bacterial overgrowth but perhaps parasitic infections? Yeah, great question. And absolutely, like, 
you know, I think conventionally parasites are spoken about in the have you been to Bali, have you been to India? And I still ask those questions, don't get me wrong, but we have an international food supply. So we're not eating food just from Australia. Our food is coming from all over the world. So we can actually be picking up parasites even if we have never been overseas. So um, I have a lot of um, triathletes who I work with and unfortunately they swim in public pools, which are one of the, the dirtiest places, um, not to mention problems with excess chlorine, but that's a whole nother conversation. So to answer your question, I will always, always, always screen for parasites first um, because they're unfortunately more challenging to treat than even what I what my experience is with a strep overgrowth. And again, 99% of the time, we're seeing an overgrowth of one thing, so an undergrowth of the other, and we're dealing with, you know, little to no beneficial bacteria, and we're in that vicious cycle of dysbiosis, which is inflammation, which is poor serotonin production, which is poor nutrient absorption, so we can't even absorb our B vitamins. Um, so it kind of makes a lot of sense that we're feeling anxious, right? Yeah. But yeah. great news, it can be addressed if we go root cause rather than pharmaceutical intervention only. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's not just strep, is it? Like that's mm. just one example, but there are mm. other bacterial overgrowths that we identify which will which will impact on um, toxins being being sort of released into the, into the brain and impacting there. Yeah, it goes goes both ways, really. Like any overgrowth is a stress. Mm. Like it's a huge load on your body. Um, not to mention that you have to process toxins through your liver, which is a, a then causing um, liver damage or at least excess load. Um, we know what stress does, right? So stress is cortisol, which is insulin, which is sugar. So that's then very inflammatory. Um, and, yeah, it creates leaky gut and poor absorption. So here we are again. So strep is just one example. Um, I probably mentioned it more so because of how common it is, but it is also often accompanied with low E. coli. Mm. And E. coli is, again, commensal, so it's supposed to exist inside the human microbiome. It's actually in charge of producing melatonin. I was going to say, interestingly, lower coli actually impacts on sleep quality, doesn't it? 100%. If we, can't, if we can't produce melatonin, we don't sleep properly. We may still sleep, but we definitely don't get quality sleep. Um, and sleep is life-changing for mental health. Again, it's one of the big foundations I think sitting next to LCHF or GERF, um, it builds resilience, it resets your hormones, it's huge for um, longevity. So we need to have a healthy gut as well as great sleep hygiene to be able to build that resilience and be able to adapt to stress in our environment in, that, in our natural day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk on specifically from a gut health perspective before we move on? Mm, So much. Um, Look, I think the other area to explore is people are pretty much across gut health in this point in time. I think in 2018, I I rarely meet a person that hasn't hasn't tried kombucha or isn't eating kimchi or maybe is experimenting with the cultural wellness products. What's really, really important to consider is that most of us are walking around with a state of dysbiosis, which involves things like overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria and undergrowth of beneficial bacteria. So when you add in lots of bacteria, you create what is known as a die-off. So you will start to create the killing off of the overgrowth, 
which releases endotoxins into your bloodstream. There is a blood-brain barrier. So if you've got endotoxins going through your blood, it will go into your brain. So that is definitely going to make you feel worse before you feel better. So a lot of people might add kimchi or add coconut yogurt and they think, oh, my God, something's wrong, this isn't working, I feel horrendous, fermented foods aren't for me. I think it's a really, it's really important to be clear that it's actually a reflection of where your gut health is right now. There's a lot of strategies that you need to put in place to make sure you minimise that, like definitely being very gradual when you introduce anything fermented, um, but especially starting with LCHF, like a minimum of four weeks of real food before you even think about anything fermented. Then you start very gradually and then you really dial in at supporting your body during this time. So real food, hydration, sleep, ramping up your detox with things like activated charcoal, fermented beetroot, apple cider vinegar. So, you know, it's, it's kind of going into the treatment protocol side of things, but it's really important to acknowledge that there is, there is that blood-brain barrier that needs to be considered in any kind of gut health protocol where the treatment is going to be causing the die-off. So moving on then to gluten, this is mm-hmm. something that you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. I know this is a topic very close to your heart um, because removing gluten from your diet was sort of, um, I guess, at the start of your journey in the in the health and nutrition space. Mm-hmm. So you're the perfect person to talk to us about it. But talk on gluten and the role that it plays in mental health and mood disorders and the research that's been done in the area as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating area. As I touched on at the start, it's a little bit controversial. Um, the way I approach gluten, firstly, when I educate on it, is to think about where it's found. So if we talk about where gluten is found, it is found mostly in things like breads and cereals and muesli bars. Um, there are a few nuances around the edges like beer and Vegemite and processed you know, stocks and, and seasonings and things like that. But none of those quote-unquote foods I mentioned actually fit into a real food template. So what's really important to kind of get for context is that if you are doing, which you should be doing, a well-prescribed LCHF template, we know by default that's GERF, which is by default gluten-free. I know we eat to enjoy and to share and to nourish our bodies, Um, and the enjoyment is huge in our culture, but ultimately we eat to get nutrients. Like at the end of the day, that's what food provides us. So we will never find more nutrients in any of those refined carbohydrates that contain gluten. We can look to real food, which is the most nutrient-dense source. So immediately we're getting more nutrients for our gut and for our brain. Um, But the benefit is we're removing the inflammatory foods. So that's the catalyst that we spoke about before. Gluten's particularly interesting as it, um, it's basically a drug. And I think part of the kind of the problem that people face when they first learn about LCHF is they freak out when you talk about maybe that bread isn't the best idea. Oh, because you tell them to get off the drug. Yeah, and they're so addicted to it, they can't imagine life without bread. And I think we've got to look at, you know, there's there's lots of books written on it in this day and age, but gluten actually 
um, bind to the same receptors in your brain that opioids do or recreational drugs do. So they make you feel so bloody good for the short term that your body will always come back to that crutch to get that natural feeling of um, like a high, really. It's a high like an opioid would. Um, It actually alters your brain chemistry. So then you're always after that heightened degree of pleasure endorphins and that feeling of yeah like a runner's high almost so i think the alternative is to learn to love running or something else that's obviously much better for your brain chemistry um so it's definitely addictive which is a huge problem to initially like basically rip the band-aid off and acknowledge that it's not the best quote-unquote food for you um but for me personally it was a huge barrier to my mental health um And so I think it's obviously at least twofold. Obviously, it affects your brain directly, but then it's that inflammation, um, which, as you touched on, means that obviously pathogens are getting in, nutrients are getting out. So then we see nutrient deficiencies, um, but we see that inflammatory cascade where our body is in a very stressed state. um, And we, yeah, we're just getting worse and worse. from a gut health point of view, because it's the catalyst to that internal dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. Are there any other particular foods or elements that you think would be worth removing from a diet? Or do you prefer to look at it from the other perspective of bringing in foods that sit into that, that GERF template? Mm. Um Look, I think when we talk about LCH, Jeff, obviously we're trading the carbs for the fats. So we should be eating like 60 to 65% of our daily intake from healthy fats. Um, But we need to define where those fats are coming from. So we touched on before that we want to be avoiding the um, high inflammatory omega-6s and trans fats. We definitely need to be consuming our anti-inflammatory and definitely brain-friendly omega-3s and saturated fats. Like our brain is made of significant amounts of fats, um, 25% in fact, and we definitely need to nourish our brain with the right building blocks. Um, Next in line are definitely our MCTs, so medium-chain Triglyceride oils have some amazing therapeutic benefits. They will immediately bump you into ketosis, so you're burning fat for fuel. So especially when you're initially moving on to an LCHF template, they are an absolute godsend as you switch over from being a sugar-burning carb fiend. They definitely bridge the gap. Um, But there is so much amazing research in the prescription of MCTs um, and the treatment of things like anxiety, but also bipolar disorder. I know this is a slightly side topic, but there was a really fascinating study um, as long ago as 2002, actually, um, where some amazing benefits were experienced following the prescription of a ketogenic diet, um, with which included MCT oil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think there's a lot that we can explore underneath that real food template, um, but coming back to the, the really nutrient-dense whole food sources of fats that are in as close to their natural state as possible, like MTT comes from coconuts, right? So I'm pretty sure that's 
a natural whole food. And then the flow-on effect with that anti-inflammatory benefit is those fats will actually go in and mop up the oxidative stress. They'll start to enable that inflammation to calm down. There's a lot of other strategies you need to do from a gut health point of view following removal of the triggers and managing the stress that we've discussed. Um, But, you know, the food that we eat has so much power to down-regulate that inflammation. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the use of MCT oils, mm. which I'm certainly not against, um, but you also mentioned um, ketosis, so using mm. that, those MCT oils to get us into a ketogenic state. Um, we know that ketosis is essentially... Um, an extension of LCHF, mm. so sort of just up the other end of LCHF. Um, what, are you, what are you seeing in the research around the use of ketogenic diets for management of mental health and, and mood conditions? Yeah, they are definitely extremely therapeutic. So I find it fascinating. They've been around for like over 100 years now, um, but they've definitely made a reemergence in the last, I would even say, two years. Um, and... Conventionally, they were definitely used for the neurological neurological conditions, including things like epilepsy. Um, there's m- more amazing science around the benefits of ketogenic diets for any brain condition like Parkinson's disease, um, TBI, so traumatic back brain industry, MS, um, and we know the metabolic conditions around you know type two diabetes, um, obesity, and cancer. But when it comes to mental health disorders and anxiety, sorry, including anxiety and depression, yeah, I think a ketogenic diet should be prescribed. Like I think that they can be a little bit overwhelming when we talk about the fact that they are that sort of 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrates a day. But overwhelming to me is having a mental health condition that's been poorly managed where the only route is probably more and more pharmaceuticals as things get worse and not better. So my hope is that um, doctors that are dealing with patients that have anxiety and or depression are presenting all options. I mean, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain, even if psychologically you approached it as a 30-day challenge. Go and see a practitioner like us at TNN that that specialises in the proper prescription of a ketogenic diet to make sure it's nutrient-dense, practical and sustainable, but just approach it for 30 days and see how different you feel. Like it's so important, as as I said at the start, to have those building blocks in place so that you set yourself up so that one day when you feel like it's right, you won't need medication anymore. I mean, I've never spoken to anybody who's um, got a mental health condition and, and on medication who has liked the prospect of being on medication mm. for the rest of their life. Mm. So if, if there's anything that you can do to set yourself up to avoid that prospect, then, you know, hopefully some of what we've talked about today mm. has given you some food for thought. A hundred percent. I think it's not only the medication, but it's the side effects. Like the side effects on your gut health are the worst case of irony I've ever heard, right? Absolutely. So we know that, we know that, um, you know, all health starts in the gut. As we've discussed today, it's like number one to treat an anxiety or a depressive disorder. But then you're given pharmaceuticals that completely disrupt the bacteria that you need to get better or feel happy. Here's cycle. Yeah. Same goes for fat burning capacity. 
Mm. So the impact that these medications have on your ability to burn fat, mm. your ability to maintain a, a healthy body composition. So oh, I know the side effects of weight gain are insane. Mm, mm. So other things to think about, and then the impacts of weight gain on other metabolic conditions. Mm. So um, absolutely worth looking at options for setting yourself up for um, a lifetime of being possibly medication free yeah definitely the visualization i often have is a doctor's prescription pad where they would normally write down the name of the drug and instead they write down keto and hand it out to their clients and maybe send them to us because we obviously want to make sure that you've got guidance on this journey um because keto was conventionally atkins which was slabs of meat minimal veggies no discussion around gut health and of course that was horrendous for your health and then we see to this day keto still being criticized for how it affects your heart and all this bullshit that are absolute myths um so it does need to be well subscribed prescribed um with a huge focus on vegetables obviously that's fiber for your gut for your beneficial bacteria to thrive um, you know, organ meats and a really beautiful gut healing journey, which includes, you know, definitely ferments, but absolutely bone broth. Um, and it should be individually prescribed from that testing. So you know what imbalances you're dealing with. Yeah. And then we can develop a protocol that's actually going to work. Like I know I've said this before, but I meet so many people that are all over their ferments. And then we get their stool sample back and there's nothing good living inside them. So they're consuming these foods and beverages. They're spending money and time either purchasing or making at home or both, but there's just no long-term benefits of that. So, you know, Bioscreen does have that initial investment, but it will fast track things like nothing else. Mm. The same goes to, um, same goes for probiotics to some degree. You know, if we're, purchasing all of these probiotics but not necessarily knowing what's living in our gut, then they may not be having the beneficial effects that we're after. Coming back to that conversation we were having before about something like a streptococcus overgrowth, just purely taking a probiotic capsule is not going to do enough to get rid of a streptococcus overgrowth. So hence why the, um, the testing is really, really important. Yeah, I totally agree. And if that's the one thing that you invest in, why don't work out what the cost of lifetime medication would cost you? Maybe include some doctor's appointments in there as you start to deal with the side effects of the drugs. And I think very quickly you'll see that Bioscreen is actually cheap. Absolutely affordable, yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's a huge area. But, I mean, if you remember one thing today, we have to come back to the fact that all disease starts in the guts. We've got to think about the human body as a whole and we have to always keep in mind that, you know, everything that we do impacts our gut. So we can make everything that we do positively impact our gut. So it's LCHF, but we've got to look at those lifestyle strategies that we always talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. I'll link up some episodes around mindfulness and meditation and more about stress because we can't ignore the impact of those external variables when it comes to gut and mental health. Well, thank you, Steph. As always, such a wealth of knowledge, really important topic for us to talk about today. And I can't wait to hear what people's feedback is like on the conversation. Yeah, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Um, But we just really wanted to start a gentle conversation on, you know, a serious topic. Um, But as I mentioned at the start, please make sure you're getting professional guidance. Um, And if you ever need to reach out, you can call Lifeline Australia on 13 11 14. Thanks, guys. Speak to you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. I realized in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people. I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources. But I had to give that to myself. Yanni says, I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world. He says, I'm going to prepare food. I love my own cheese. I love my own wine. I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV. He just loves company. I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question, isn't it? But when you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.